Well, this morning we have with us Steve and Ruth Wilson, missionaries visiting us from Arizona. Uh, Pastor Steve will bring the message to us here in a moment, but by way of introduction, Steve and Ruth first met attending seminary in Guatemala, uh, Central American Theological Seminary. They then served in Chile for 11 years where they taught pastors and leaders and developed a video Bible school. They relocated to Costa Rica, that's Ruth's homeland, for about 10 years before moving back here to the States. They ministered to Spanish-speaking populations in Washington and Arizona. They work as a team, teaching Spanish-speaking churches how to evangelize and how to make disciples. Another part of their ministry is teaching Spanish speakers how to use English as a second language. Steve is the son of a former Emmanuel Bible Church pastor, Jerry Wilson, and he's the younger brother of Pastor Dan Wilson. And we were discussing before our service today that he regularly preaches in Spanish. So if he lapses into the Spanish language this morning, hang in there. We're hoping he switches back. But with that said, thank you so much for your willingness to preach. Would you come and bring the word to us, Pastor Steve? And that is so true. It's, uh, I don't remember the last time I preached in English, and that is true. We started, uh, we passed, started pastoring a church in Phoenix uh, eight years ago. It's unbelievable. I can't believe it's been eight years. Uh, and it was just a tiny little church, about 45 people. Now we're averaging 150 plus children. And uh, God, it just continues to grow. So continue to pray for our church. Yeah, my English is really rusty. It's in the hard drive, the words. i got to find it. Uh, in Spanish, it flows easier because I use it readily. So, you know, I teach, preach, do everything. Uh, my congregation are Hispanic. And the circle of influence I have, the biggest, are Hispanics. And we live in a predominantly Hispanic neighborhood, too, where we live. So... Yeah, so uh, pray for my English this morning. It's good to be here. I recognize a lot of faces, familiar faces. When I walked in, we got done with our prayer meeting back there. I walked in, looked for my wife. We always sit over here. Tradition is a, a crazy thing, but she wasn't sitting over here where we always sit. I grew up sitting on this side. She's sitting over here. So in the 60s, I would always sit here, not in the front. I'd sit in the back. And, uh, and midweek service, uh, we would be on this side. Remember Wednesday nights, those over here? Uh, how many raise their hands that remember having midweek service on this side? See, that's where we had midweek service on that side. So, I don't know, my wife is throwing me off. But I do that at church too. I said, we don't want to uh, follow tradition. I change the order of the service often, do things differently. Because uh, we come to worship Jesus, we aren't religious. We have a personal relationship with Jesus, and we come as the family of God. And this is the family of God. It's so neat. I get emotional up here because this is my home church. I grew up here, and I'm, we're missing a lot of faces there in heaven. And we're going to be there really soon. Wow! I didn't think I was getting emotional. He's so many good friends, too, you know, people I grew up with, Philip, he still likes me. We grew up six years old, you know. Uh, I met him out the first. We lived across the street, and then Dad came here. I hit him with a rock in the head one time, bled like crazy. 
you know. And oh, that was a pipe, you know. I think about it, but we're still friends. He retired early because of that, I think. Jim Morrell in the front. I got so many stories about everybody, and if you want to learn about trains, Jim will tell you how to get down to down south in the train. You can go free. But good friends, good Christians, it's emotional because they're still walking with the Lord. And there's so many distractions in this world, and how many that we grew up with, even in church, aren't following Jesus. We need to continue to pray for them. And, uh, yeah, we'll get into the message here. It's uh, on evangelism. And we're going to do that, you know, until Jesus comes for the church. And I think that day is coming really soon. I just got done preaching on a series in, in, in Revelation. I understand you've been doing the same thing, Pastor. And before that, I, I preached uh, First and Second Thessalonians. And I'm thinking, I just finished Revelation. I think I'm going into Isaiah. So we go back and forth to, you know, New Testament, Old Testament, it's all one book, you know, it's God's word. Uh, but, you know, I've been on these subjects because Jesus is come. He's at the door. He's ready uh, to come for his church. And some of us may not even see that day because we're getting older. <laughs> and, uh, but it's exciting to see what God is doing amongst uh, this evil, sinful world we're living in, confusing times we're living in. But his great commission to go and make disciples has not changed. That's what I want to talk on tonight. You know, how are we doing in reaching out? And I'm hearing good reports here at church that you guys are going door to door. You're doing different things. And this is exciting to hear and see. And uh, I just want to share. Uh, I'm used to preaching verse by verse, chapter by chapter. You know, I don't do themes. And uh, tonight's a theme. Um, this morning, I mean, is a theme, you know, evangelism and making disciples. Uh, but I want to share what God, how God is using my wife and I uh, as a team, and it's true. Yeah, we met at seminary. Uh, you didn't get the whole story straight, though. Uh, I met her there, and, and she chased me all over the place. <laughs> and, and, yeah, so in May, we're going to celebrate 50 years of marriage. And a little note here, you might know, not know, but the Martinson, Martinson, yeah, I was going to call you Martinez, uh, he drove the getaway car. He went to my wedding. He even drove me to the airport to pick up mom and dad. Ruth had a dozen roses, and uh, he was the chauffeur of everybody. He would pick up everybody. He's such a great servant, and he did that in Guatemala. He's just a jack-of-all-trades. He really is. And, uh, and his son wasn't even thought of yet in Costa Rica. Ruth is actually uh, one of uh, his, his teachers. Uh, well, both of you, Karen, too. And, uh, but he wasn't thought of yet. Uh, their daughter was born already, and he was born in Guatemala, Chapin, by then. Yeah, so he's, he's Guatemalan. He's probably a little tougher Guatemalan, a little pale. But missionary, I can go on and on about missionary kids, but they're special, you know. Uh, pray for our missionary kids. Pray for our two boys, too. Thank you for your prayers all these years. Thank you for your support. We really appreciate that. Uh, and it's felt, and we need your prayers. Times aren't, aren't getting any better. They're becoming more evil. But God, in the midst of everything, is doing wonderful things. Wonderful things. Amen? Boy, I just see so many people that are still here. Even the Kinsleys are here. Wow, and David Erickson, and 
Pastor David, and yeah, just so many here. Just great to see you all. Well, let's pray, get into the Word, and uh, as God challenges us in His Word today. Father, just thank you for today. Thank you for the family of God. Thank you for this family. So precious. You died for all of us. Go before me as I present your Word. We don't know. This may be the last Sunday that we're here on earth. Uh, but today, today is the day of salvation. If there's anybody here this morning, Father, that hasn't believed in you, put their trust in you, that they decide today to believe in you and follow you today. Thank you for your eternal love. Thank you, Jesus, eternal God, God, man who came to earth, completed your mission, and because you completed your mission, we have hope. You rose from the dead. You're sitting at the right hand of the Father. You are our high priest. And we have this great privilege to be able to talk to you right now, any time of the day. Challenges this morning, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, as they say, the term goes, you know, I'm preaching to the church. It's the church. You already know. To go out and make disciples. Preaching to the church, you know. You already know. And, you know, Dad has stood up here many times, and he, he, he always talked about, you know, his favorite song was Coming Again. Maybe morning, maybe new, maybe evening, but surely soon. And uh, he is so sure that Jesus is going to come during his lifetime. Well, he was wrong, but he's with Jesus. And, uh, but Jesus is coming soon. Morning, night anytime we don't know when but he's coming very soon but what we do know is that there's a commandment and we all know it go out and make disciples and the question is this morning how are we doing in making disciples how do we make disciples well to start off with it's a lifestyle it's a lifestyle making disciples uh our it's lifestyle evangelism I, there, a book came out years ago by a man at uh uh, Multnomah School of the Bible, he wrote a book on lifestyle evangelism. And I read that and I thought, yeah, that really challenges me because, you know, we always think it's just going out and thumping people on the heads and bugging them, you know, to wake up, you know, and smell the roses. And it's a lifestyle. We need to practice what we preach. And, uh, but people need to understand that they need Jesus. It's not a religion, it's a personal relationship, and there's a lot of confusion today what that really means. And it starts off with hearing the word, then believing the word, then there's got to be repentance, something that's not being taught today. And there needs to be repentance, and you receive God's gift and you follow Jesus. Yeah. So God convicts people of sin. We don't. That's God's work. He says, go out and make disciples, preach the gospel, but I'm the one that's going to touch the heart. I'm going to convict them of their sin. You are my mouthpiece. You're my tool. Your, your body is not yours. It's a, a temple of the Holy Spirit, and, and I own it. I bought it with my precious blood on the cross, and you have my Holy Spirit to guide you onto everything. So, 
as a pastor, when I started the church uh, eight years ago there, I took it on, we didn't know if we really wanted to take this or not because they were not very friendly. We went in there incognito, not knowing that uh, we were the future pastors, and I wanted to get a feel of the church, and I told my wife, this is one of the coolest churches I've ever seen in my life. It's a Baptist church. What do you expect? <laughs> so, so we came in, and we had a lot of potlucks, and they said, Pastor, why so many potlucks? Because you guys aren't acting like a family of God. You're just a bunch of religious people. I said, you need to get to know each other. And then we'd have the potlucks and the families would just sit together. And I said, well, stop sitting together. Start sitting with other people. You know, we're the family of God. Start inviting people to your houses during the week. Let's act like the family. Yeah. So, but the most important thing are not potlucks and, and having activities. The most important thing is the power of prayer. We believe in the power of prayer. And uh, so we started uh, a once a month. Uh, prayer meeting. We call it mini vigilia. Uh, what, how do you call that in English? It's a small vigil, prayer vigil. Latin America learned how to do an all-night prayer vigil. Our culture here really doesn't like to do stuff like that. So I call it a, a, a small prayer vigil. So we have it for three hours, and it's great. Uh, so we get everybody together, and people love to come out to it because they're seeing the results of confiding in God, uh, leaving their everything at his feet, and praying for all of our missionaries. We go through everybody. And uh, like you did the prayer this morning, fantastic, you know. And, but we need to do that more as a congregation together to pray and seek God's face together. And so we have that. And then we started prayer walks. And we can't do it right now because it's over 100 degrees every day still. And uh, I hope it's cooled off by the time we get back. But the prayer walks are needed because Satan has got a grasp on people in our neighborhood. We live in a rough neighborhood in Phoenix. It's inner city. A lot of shootings, a lot of noise, a lot of chaos, a lot of sin. But it's no different here. You just don't see it as readily. <laughs> Their hearts are cold and they need Jesus such beautiful families but we walk the neighborhoods and we pray over every house we go by we pray for God's blessing whatever God puts in our heart and if anybody stops and asks us what we're doing we tell them we're praying for you and praying for your neighborhood we're praying for your family because we live in hard times and if you want to come and visit us our church is just around the corner we tell them where we're at so we do that we leave it to God this is life is about God in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Everything is about God. And we need to go about God's work his way. And that's why we walk the neighborhood, because God gives us vision as to what we should be doing as a church in reaching out to the lost. Uh, not, you need to smell the air around where you're walking. Look at the people. Uh, walk their neighborhoods and see what's really happening in the people. And when you walk the neighborhoods and pray for them, God truly does wonders in your heart and mind and desire to reach out to these people even more and, and create programs to reach out to them. So that's very important. Prayer is important. Apostle Paul, uh, as we know, was, I always say he's, he was the Osama bin Laden this time, religious leader, uh, he thought he was doing right by 
persecuting the Christians and putting them in jails. He was, he was very delightful in killing, having Stephen killed, the first martyr. Uh, he thought he was doing the right thing for God. But the thing is, he didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus until he met him on the road. And he humbled himself before him, he repented, and he followed Jesus from that day forth. God had a great future for him, and we read about him all the time, like this morning. And, uh, and we read about him following Jesus, and he says uh, in Philippians, you have your Bibles in chapter, uh, chapter 1, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Uh, he didn't live for Christ before. He was a persecutor of the followers of Jesus Christ. But verse 20 of chapter 1, it says, Paul saying, he says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body. Boy, that's quite a statement. That God will be, Christ will be exalted in my body. That we are the reflection of Christ wherever we go. That he's exalted. It's not about me. And we are so much into ourselves and what we need, what we want. And our retirement. And people ask me, Steve, when are you going to retire? Aren't you concerned about your retirement? No, I'm concerned about eternity for everybody. I mean, God's going to take care of me. I believe, you know, I don't have anything. But, you know, when I get old and gray, I'm old and gray now. When I can't function anymore, you know, he's going to take care of all that. But he goes on, he says, whether by life or by death. Wow, God will be exalted in my body, whether I'm alive or through my death. Christ will be exalted. For me to live is Christ. What a statement. It's all about God. It's all about Jesus. For me to live is not sports for me to live is not about my hobbies it's everybody and we talk about fellowship and christian fellowship and it's so sad when we have christian fellowship all we talk about every is everything about christ we talk about our hobbies and everything and we should be so excited and so in love with jesus we should be talking about what christ is doing we encourage each other recognizing who we are you know as sinners <laughs> It's a fight every day, the flesh against the spirit, but we're encouraging each other and recognizing how God is getting us through the hard times and the good times. For me to live is Christ. He was Christ-centered in everything. And to die is gain. Yeah, he says, I'd rather be with Jesus, but if for the benefit of everybody else, I'd best stay here. I'd best stay here. Who of us don't want to go to heaven? It's not such a beautiful place. We don't have the sinful nature anymore. I want to get rid of the sinful nature. Such a fight. And that's what's so great about heaven. We don't have the sinful nature anymore. Isn't that going to be great? And that day is going to come very, very soon. To follow Christ, to live, is Christ. Is one who truly loves Jesus. The commandment is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind. And the outcome of that is what? To love your neighbor as yourselves. So our priorities of all things should be in loving God because it is his command. And therefore, we will love those around us through God's eyes. 
not through our eyes, just through God's eyes, and we'll have compassion. We'll look at them and hurt as Jesus hurt. As he looked back in Jerusalem, he cried, recognized in reality that wide is the gate to perdition and narrow is the gate to heaven. But he died for all. So God shows his unconditional love. And you know these verses so well, but we've got to reflect upon them. Look at John chapter 3. Verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. What unconditional, unconditional love. The Bible says, he who knew no sin became sin for us. Something that's, that's uncomprehensible to me, I don't understand this, how holy God loves us that much that he was willing to die on the cross and shed his blood for remission of our sins, forgiveness of our sins, knowing how we are, how ugly we are. Sin to God, he's holy, but he was willing to take upon himself our eternal punishment. Eternal God, only eternal God could come and take care of our situation. And he knew that before the foundations of the earth, uh, what was going to take place. He's eternal God. He lives out of time. He, <laughs> the Bible talks about exactly what's going to happen on earth and how it's going to end here. He sees everything. Amen. And it ends well for us that put our trust into him because he did it all for us. He shed his blood for everybody on earth, but, but mankind has to recognize that they have a need for a savior. And unfortunately, ears are being tickled today in so many churches and people, and they have a social go gospel, a social, uh, a social club, I call them, and um, that's not what the family God is all about. The family God is about God, is about Jesus and following him. And many churches are loving people to death so much by a, a love that is made up of this world. They're loving them and, and forgiving them and being easy on them about sin that, uh, you know, it's okay to live that lifestyle because you, God truly loves you and he, he will let you into heaven. And that's not true. Yeah, for all of sin and come short of the glory of God. We have every type of person that comes into my church. I have a lot of illegal aliens. Uh, and that situation isn't getting any better. I don't agree with open borders. I don't agree with what's happening right now. Uh, we are living the consequences in my church, in my neighborhood, and everywhere because of what's happening at the border. But I don't look at it through the eyes of the world. I look at it through the eyes of Jesus, what's happening. And the people that are in my church, uh, maybe about a quarter of them, are illegal. Uh, but I love them. I pray for them. We take them in, and they come to know Jesus. It's really great what's happening. It's fantastic what's happening right now. Like I said, evangelism is a lifestyle. 
and we are in our church trying our best uh, to reach out to the lost purposefully, intentionally, uh, reaching out to our circle of influence, whether it's family, it's friends, it's work, it's your sports. I have nothing against sports. I use that as an illustration. I love sports. I think everybody should know how to snow ski, not snowboard, but snow ski. <laughs> but that's our circle of influence. God has put us in different areas uh, to reach out to the lost. Every job. It doesn't matter where you're working, what you're doing, where you live. That's your mission field, even while you're traveling. But we need to be sensitive to God's desires, not ours. And we've been so indoctrinated upon what the world expects of us and, and live on a daily basis. Uh, we need to be in God's word to recognize we're not of this world. We're in the world, but we're not of this world. And he shows us exactly how we should be living while we're here on earth. So we need to go out of our way looking for the best of everybody that comes into our life, even if they rub you the wrong way, even if they have a potty mouth, even if they're living a lifestyle that doesn't agree with God's word, even if their lifestyle is an abomination to God. God nailed to the cross their sins too, and they have the opportunity to receive forgiveness. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, it tells us exactly how we should be living until Jesus comes. It says, therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a what? Living sacrifices. And what else does it say there? Holy and pleasing to God. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, be holy, he says, because I am holy. We've been adopted as children of God. It's another place people are confused. Everybody thinks that, well, we're all children of God. No, it's not true. We're not all children of God. Romans, uh, John 1.12 says, to all believe in him. <laughs> you know, who have received him. We become adopted children of God. You know, that's when you become a child of God. Everybody else is a creation of God. And in this country, I've heard this even in school, what have you, you know, we're all good Christians and we're all a, a children of God. But the Bible says, no, only those that have received God's gift of eternal life become uh, children of God. So us as children of God, we're to live differently because after all, we are aliens. <laughs> We're all aliens. Our home is somewhere beyond the blue. It's not around here. And we represent God here on earth, and we're called his ambassadors. And as his ambassadors, we're supposed to be his voice. We're supposed to be light uh, upon this earth to look upon us as Christ's followers. We're supposed to be, our speeches should even be different. The 12 disciples' speech was different. These fishermen did not talk as ignorant people uh, with, with a potty mouth. They talked as Jesus talked. They followed him. They imitated him. And we're told to be imitators of Christ. So we, we think different because t God has taught us in what we should be thinking, meditating on. 
and we should be meditating on his word, not just Sunday. I, I, I drive it into my congregation. I said, don't be a, a dominquero. Don't be just a, a Sunday go-to-meeting person. Huh? Uh, yeah, we follow Christ every day. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We're in the Word Monday, Tuesday, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We pray seven days a week, 24 hours a day. The Bible says pray without ceasing. We're told to walk in the Spirit. Uh, you know, we've got to be asking forgiveness all the time. The fight against the Spirit, against the flesh, the eyes and the ears and everything that's happening around us. We get so judgmental and then we start filling up with rage and maybe hate or what have you or vengeance and you got to say you know forgive me jesus when we kneel down to pray every day our our quiet time with the lord we need to ask god to reveal to, to us what is that stumbling that block in our life that's not allowing us to really hear your voice and do what you want us to do and he says your bodies offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. It's a, it's a daily walk, moment by moment, every day, uh, walking in the Spirit. And this is your spiritual act of worship. You know, worshiping God is not just coming today. Huh? It's living in obedience every day. That's true worship. We're, we're worshiping God 24 hours a day. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. The world can come into the church. In so many churches today, I'm finding they don't even know the difference anymore. You can't tell the difference between a believer and a non-believer because they're all, all acting the same. The world has gotten into the church. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And how's that going to happen? Through God's word. He has to reprogram our brain. I remember growing up here at the Geneva School, out, out at the lake, starting off at the very beginning they talked about evolution. They didn't talk about it as being a theory. They said, this is how it happened. And you came from monkeys. Yeah. But in my house, they talked about creation. And I was confused. I was told to respect my teachers. But at the same time, I respected my parents. Very confusing. Hasn't gotten any better, has it? So you got to be in God's word, and that's our job as parents, you know. Are we teaching our children the word of God? But not just teaching them the word of God. Are we the example before them to where they want to follow Jesus? We should want to follow the example of mom and dad because they should be following the example of Jesus because we're followers of Christ, aren't we? So it says here, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. If we're in the Word, we've got to know His Word. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. We want to live according to God's Word, His perfect will. Not my will be done, but yours. And that's what Jesus said on the cross. He was 100% man, 100% God. But He came in human form to take upon Himself our sins. And He is the example we should follow for daily living. God can do the impossible and making disciples is a process and we've seen it through so many countries my wife and I have worked in because we, we lived in Chile, we lived in Costa Rica but we also traveled to all the other Latin American countries 
and we help churches evangelize. And we do that still. Uh, I don't, we do not just pastor this church. We help Hispanic churches evangelize their neighborhood. We help them evangelize. We help them uh, uh, with discipleship courses to get new Christians uh, on a Bible study, but it's more mentoring than anything else one-on-one. Get them into the Word of God. Get them to start a different life pattern in their life so that they grow in God's Word. And, uh, and that's what we're really lacking in churches. And that's the first thing I did. The first year that uh, I became the pastor of this Baptist church, I said, midweek service is going to change. We're going to be discipled. <laughs> because not just me and my wife are going to disciple others, all of you are going to disciple others. So we got the material from Central American Mission, uh, Nueva Vida en Cristo, New Life in Christ. You guys are familiar with that. And we have been using that for over 20 years, that material. It's very practical. A missionary called Mark Robinson, uh, he lives in Portland, Oregon now, he wrote this material because he said, I just can't find material that's practical enough to get new believers uh, into God's word and understand the basic doctrines of the faith. But we have found, going into churches, talking to people that have been in the faith for years, just uh, haven't got it down yet, just the basic things, doctrines of the Bible. They just haven't got the basics down yet. And they have never discipled anyone. They've never mentored anyone. And that's sad because Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. That's, that's individual to everyone. But it starts with our family, doesn't it? It starts with our kids. And it goes beyond from our kids. But that's what we're to do. So it's a process. Some sow seeds, others water, others confront uh, ones to make a decision. Uh, remember, through ESL, and you mentioned that we also have ESL class, English as a second language, one of our outreaches uh, to the community so that uh, they, they'll come to church. So many have Catholic backgrounds or no backgrounds, they don't want to come to any church whatsoever. Evangelical churches are taboo, but uh, they come. And there's a gal that came in the class, and I remember my wife said, we, we have an, an hour and a half of, of studying uh, English with them. And then after that, I take the men, and Ruth takes the women, and we give a, a Bible class for a half an hour. So that's the whole purpose of ESL, not just to help them with their English, but for them to come to know Jesus personally. So there's one girl that came to class, her name is Lala, for short, because her, her name is really hard to pronounce. And everyone says Lala. And she, Ruth tells me one day, she says, you know, this lady doesn't, she's talking all the time. It's just, she comes here just to be socialized with people, and she's not listening to what I'm saying. Well, that one that seemed like she wasn't listening to what she was saying received Christ as her Savior. It took her like about a year, wasn't it? She'd be coming there and everything, and short, tiny little Mexican girl, truly tiny. And um, that girl, unbelievable, definitely became a new creature. She, came, she changed so fast and, and so hungry for God's word. And uh, people you think that aren't listening really are listening. There's a kind of an escape there, you know. And... Uh, but we found out later through, through her that she had a real problem at home. She's living with her daughter and son-in-law uh, who were drug addicts. 
they had two children. Yeah, two children at the time. And uh, yeah, it was just unbearable, the life in that home, because others would come into the home, get drugs. He was trafficking drugs, what have you. And uh, one day uh, she brought uh, the granddaughter to me and said, you know, we really need prayer. Uh, my granddaughter is scared now to be in the house. Something has to happen. Something has to happen because this lifestyle is dangerous right now. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned for my granddaughter, concerned for myself. So I said, let's just pray over it. Let's just pray for their salvation. Let's just pray that God will touch their hearts, that something will happen in the life of, of this, this family that God loves. Uh, let's see a miracle. So we prayed over them. So it starts off, Lala calls a couple of weeks later, and she says, I got kicked out of the house. And then the daughter was real pregnant, real big, and she goes to the hospital, has the baby, and the nurse says, uh, your baby is going through withdrawals. He, he's on drugs. You're on drugs, aren't you? She says, no, I don't take drugs. Well, your baby's on drugs. Your little baby's going through withdrawals right now. So the state stepped in and took over, and they told Brenda, you can no longer have your baby. Uh, at this moment, uh, your kids can stay, but your baby uh, cannot go with you. So we got together with Lala, prayed over the situation. She says, I'm going to adopt my grandkids. I said, how are you going to adopt your grandkids if you're an illegal alien? And your daughter and your brother, son-in-law, are e illegal aliens also. Now, I don't understand the laws of this country. I don't know how things work anymore. I thought I did. And in her circumstances, nothing makes sense. But that's where, where miracles work. It doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense. I know Satan's the author of confusion, but God will go in there and he says, well, I'll take advantage of that confusion and I'm going to straighten things out. And that's pretty much what God did. So we went to the first meeting of the state and there is Roberto and there is Brenda. And at that point, she didn't want to lose her kids, and she's saying bad things about Roberto. I don't want to see him anymore, what have you. And the state wants to question them on certain things about them. And um, Roberto does something really weird, and I thought, you know, if you're being uh, tested by the state and you want to keep your kids, you want to show the good side of yourself. Well, he wanted to show sympathy. And he's saying, well, you know, I love my kids. I'll do anything for my kids. I don't take him away, please. And uh, because, you know, I know it's my fault, but I've been taking drugs since I was 11 years old. And I thought, that's really good, Roberto. That's going to really help you. And, uh, and she didn't want anything to do with him. And I thought, and it's a sad story, and I thought, this, this, this person that's talking right now is so dense. He has no wisdom whatsoever. And I told God, I said, is it possible you can do something with someone that's so dense? Because he was talking like a child, like a little kid. 
I don't see how the state can even listen to stuff that's going on here. It's just, it's ridiculous what he's talking about. And I said, God have mercy on him because I don't see how this can be rescued. I really didn't. I didn't see how this, could, this whole situation could be rescued. So, make a long story short, he had the kids taken away, all of them. The state said you can't have them because every time you come back to be tested, you're on drugs. Then he just stopped going back to be tested because they'll call you all of a sudden and say, come on down right now, we want to test you. He failed. They took the kids away, and Lala says, I'm going to adopt them. Somehow I'm going to adopt them. I don't want them to go out in different homes, every one of them. So God did a miracle here. It's just unbelievable. Just last week, she was able to adopt the last child, Jocelyn. She is 12 years old, uh, 13 years old. She just got adopted by her grandma. How, I don't know. I got pictures to show it to prove it. The judge, illegal aliens. But she adopted her, her granddaughter, and she had already adopted the other children. But the miracle that took place before all this took place, you know, she adopted them and everything. He was willing to go to rehab, and so was she. They went to two different rehab places, and both of them, there are Christian rehab places in Phoenix, and both of them receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. Now, a lot of them do this, but they don't continue on. And this was four years ago. Four years ago, and you think, well, yeah, they're going to get tempted, and they're, yeah, within six months, they're out in the street. We see it all the time. We work with druggies con constantly. They sleep in the front of our church. They're all over the place. This world's getting crazy. They're all over. They have no place to live, and state's not doing a whole lot for them. But Roberto, and you know, he's given his testimony so many times, and I listened to it, and every time I listened to his testimony, how God spoke to his heart from the very beginning, from that first meeting in the state, he says, he always says, I was so ignorant to the reality of life. I was just ignorant. I was dumb. I was so drugged out for so many years. I had no common sense, no intelligence. I just went with the flow and took the drugs and just did what I did. And this guy actually preaches really good. <laughs> it's been four years. One thing is given his testimony and has everybody crying every time he gives his testimony, even myself, because I feel about this high every time I hear it because I think God can't really do anything with this person. How many times have I thought that seeing people that are on the street or on drugs, it's impossible. Uh, there's no way that their brain can get back functioning normally and live a normal life. I'm at fault at that. And God just says, I'm, I'm the God of impossibilities. I'm the creator of all things. Uh, I, I can heal, heal, the, heal their body because I promise to everyone that receives me to be born again and become a new creature. And the problem is not what we see on the outside, it's of the heart. 
And what's of the heart goes to the brain. You know, we got to take his word seriously to the heart and truly love and stop imitating the love of the world. We got to imitate and truly love as Jesus loved us unconditionally. We should be loving everybody unconditionally. You don't have to like what they're doing, how they're living, what they're saying politically, what have you, but we're, we're commanded to love our neighbor as ourselves. And that's where we have to check ourselves all the time. At least I do. I have to check myself all the time because I get so many different situations in church. I think this is, this is unbelievable, God. Help me to love this person because at this moment, I'm not really loving them. I'm really have a little bit of despite and I'd really like to take their head off right now. How he's treating her or her treating him. It goes both ways. And uh, God says, well, uh, venganza is mio. It's, it's, uh, it's venganza. Vengeance is mine, saith. I'm glad we got bilingual people here. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Yeah, oh, vengeance is mine. And uh, yeah, we're just to go out and love, but with God's love. So Roberto, yeah, he gives a good testimony, but you know, he does better than that. He loves God. He loves God with all his heart and soul and mind. He's out in the street helping other kids and young people on the streets, and he's bringing them to rehab. Uh, it's constant. This guy is unbelievable. You can't hold him down. He's gone 90 miles an hour. His wife, too, just a lovely lady, and they just had another baby. So he has him, uh, Roberto, and, uh, and his wife have a family of one little girl, and the mother-in-law has a family of three kids, that are no longer his and Brenda's, it's the grandma's. So it's crazy, it's wacky, isn't it? But God took an ugly, messed up thing and fixed it. He fixed it. And they're actually living under the same roof right now. But she's in charge of the three kids and the others are in charge of the one. It's an awkward situation, seems to me, but it's not awkward with them. They just went to family camp with us. We had a great time. You want to see the pictures? I got pictures of them. They're the cutest little couple you ever see and the, the grandma and everything. But uh, that's the way God works. Uh, how am I doing for time? 11.46. How much more time do I got? Oh, yeah, let it ride on. We're in Latin America here. Good. No one says anything. Pastor's sitting there. He goes, yeah, that's good. Amen. All the time I can get you then, huh? So, so attitude is important. Here in Philippians uh, chapter 2, chapter 2, because we, we we've been doctrinating so much in education of the world, we've got to keep focus on Jesus, imitating Christ's humility, and chapter 2 of Philippians, verse 5, it says, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to grasp, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant of all things, being made in human likeness, likeness, he came in the world without sin. Remember, we came in with sin. And being found in appearance as a man, 
he humbled himself and became obedient to obedient, became obedient to death, even death on the cross. And he knew what his mission was, and he was obedient and were to imitate Jesus with that humbleness and obedience to God. You know what's interesting? And I grew up in this church here and been going to church all my life, you know, whether I wanted to or not, you know. Jerry Melly said, you got to go or you're going to lose the, the blessing, you know, miss out on the blessing. And they were right about that. But what's so neat are new believers that come into the church. They're so gung-ho, aren't they? They're so excited about the gospel. They've been saved and they want to tell their friends. They want to share with everyone. They don't want anybody to be apart from God for eternity. They want to see everybody saved. And then they'll mention to me, why are so many in the church, why are so many not joyful? I'm so grateful. I'm so joyful. I can shout on the mountaintop. I'm so excited about what Jesus did for me and offers to everybody. But in the churches, they're not joyful and they're complaining, which is unfortunate. And I've gotten to that point where I'm not joyful and complaining throughout my life, even being raised in Emmanuel Bible here. I mean, I complained a lot, wasn't joyful. But the thing is, it's a personal relationship. Every one of us are responsible for what we do in our time during the day. If we're spending time with God in his word, talking to him. And are we talking to him during the day? Pray without ceasing. I remember my mom on Railroad Avenue back in the day when we didn't have all these malls and stuff. We had to go downtown Bellingham to buy. She would go down the road. You'll never find parking uh, during that time. Uh, you'll never find parking space on Railroad Avenue. And I remember my mom said, God, open up a space. And I thought, this is really stupid, Mom. I really did. I thought, this is really stupid. And Mom says, pray for anything. Someone would back out, go, and she goes in and she says, thank you, Jesus. And just as simple things like that, you know, mom was such a good example. And she just said, no, God will open it up, even a parking place. I said, why does God even care about where you park? Or what? He does. He cares about the little things as well as the big things. There's every, God interest, is interested in everything about us. And he showed his interest when he came down here and became part of history. He is part of history, and he's freed us from our sins. So to end with chapter 2 of Philippians, verse 7. And I love this part because it talks about us, the church. And it says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. But we got to be close to God, you know, to understand what his good purpose is. So he can, we can follow. Mom's favorite verse, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord all your heart. Lean not until your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he'll direct your paths. I passed it on to my boys and they said, oh, Dad, we know that verse. I said, well, are you trusting him? Trust in him with all your heart. Stop leaning on, on the information you're getting on the news station. Turn it off. Read the Bible. 
trust in God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And you'll know what his good purpose is for you, what you should be doing. Do everything without complaining or arguing. Why is it written there? Because we do. We complain and we argue. He says, stop it. Don't do it anymore. So that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in, in a crooked and depraved generation. Do you think we live in a crooked and depraved generation today? We sure do. In which, it says, in which, in this generation, the ugliness we live in today, in which you shine like stars in the universe. And that's how Emmanuel Bible should be. My church should be. Every Christian church should shine. Should shine like stars in the universe. How are we shining as a church? Are we, living un- are we loving unconditionally? Are we lo- loving our neighbors unconditionally? Are we praying for our neighbors, our circle of influence? Because we all have a circle of influence that's different. Are we praying for them? That's where it starts. I have a long list of prayer. Every day I pray for my neighbors, my grandkids, uh, everybody. I even pray for my wife. We pray for each other. And I praise God for my wife because she keeps me in shape. And I tell you, it, it's great to have her as my wife. God knew what he was doing when I went to Latin America. God does things in strange ways. Huh? I got to Latin America through a mouse in a bottle. That's truly how I got there. You can ask me about that later. But God supplies all our needs any way he intends to because it's all his and we're supposed to use it for his honor and glory. So it's a pleasure for me to share today a little bit of what we're doing. Continue to pray for us. We're not ready to retire yet until God says ready to retire. But I don't see a preacher ever retiring, have you? No, I don't. Dad didn't retire until he was old and just couldn't anymore. And, and just pray for us that we, you know, follow God and what he wants us to do in the future. Huh? I don't think we're going to be pastoring uh, too many more years in this church. It'll be almost 10 years. I'd like to get some younger blood in there. I'm going to stick around, but we want to continue with our mission and uh, help the churches, help the pastors that want to evangelize their areas to where they really are truly going out and making disciples. Because that is the great command of God to go out and make disciples. And so many churches are not doing that in Latin America as well as the United States. So pray for us for the perfect timing of God to make that transition. Everyone's going to be upset and crying and everything. You can't leave. And at our age, my wife is like a surrogate mother to all these women. We're the old fogies in the church. They're all young families and lots of kids. And, and it's emotional when you leave a church. And, uh, but we, we want to do what God would have us to do at the age and timing and do his perfect will at his perfect timing. Amen? And he's got that for every one of us too. You know, let our light shine uh, before all men that they'll see that there is hope and the hope is in Jesus. He is the only way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except for through Jesus. He is the only way. There are no other ways to get to heaven. Jesus is the only way. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for Emmanuel Bible. Pray that they can Continue to continue constant in your word. Reaching out to Whatcom County with the gospel 
through the ways that you have chosen for them to reach out to the lost father. Thank you for pastor, the leaders. Continue to protect them physically and spiritually, Father. Continue to guide them as you lead them where you would want them to go for your honor and glory, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.